and welcome to an extra special bio bit today. One that y'all probably weren't expecting here for Normandy FM. Uh, as always, I'm we one weren't of the co-hosts. Either. Yeah, <laughs> I am Eric Van Allen, joined by Kent Shepard, uh, and we we have a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know um, that series that we finished two years ago now? Yeah, <laughs> we did that, but we maybe didn't finish it all the way. Um, so in in the buildup, obviously, uh, as we were recording this, and probably by the time this is live, uh, the Mass Effect the Legendary Edition is not out yet. Uh, so obviously, Ken and I have both been in prep mode for all the stuff we're doing, both on here and on various other places uh, because our brand is strong and, <laughs> uh, we are known as mass effect likers. Um, all, all of that said, uh, Ken, I believe it was you who, who found out that there was a scene in Andromeda that we never saw that we did not yeah. see in our playthrough. Yeah. So the wild thing is I've played mass effect Andromeda, I think six times at this point, five or six times at this point. Um, I apparently never knew about, like, the game's final ending that, like, I think is probably, like, not very well known to a lot of people because the way you get it was uh, something that, like, I don't think a lot of people have the patience to do, and that's valid. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there is an extra scene if you hit 100% viability on all the planets in Mass Effect Andromeda, which I did not know until last night when I was watching... Um, uh, let me, let me show my, on YouTube, Noah caldwell Jareus. he has, he's a YouTube essayist and does a lot of, like, really deep dives into various mm-hmm. games, including Mass Effect, and I was watching his Andromeda video just because, like, I'm trying to grasp at anything to satiate the, my Mass Effect brain worms that are happening right now in these, in this, uh, lead-up to Legendary Edition, and, uh, yeah, he just starts talking about this scene that I've never seen, and I've just, like, sat up in my chair, like, what the fuck, and message you and it's like oh apparently andromeda has like an actual ending that is like kind of the equivalent of like a hundred percent like almost like a true ending like sort of in the you know like you get a hundred percent of something and then this new thing opens up and yeah i just never knew about that never came across that information in the past four years since this game came out it's a weird thing because like this hasn't really existed in other bioware games yeah like i can't think of what its equivalent would be in the other Bioware games. Like, I guess the closest thing would be having like the highest, uh, war, uh, war readiness, like, like, you know, readiness factor in Mm. Mass Effect three. So that way you like get the best version of whatever ending you choose. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, they've never really done open world bullshit like this right. before even even inquisition i don't think had like completion percentages on on maps or anything like that it was really mm-hmm. more like oh did you do the the forts and did you do like the the one big story quest that's here like uh recruiting yeah. that one uh clan to your side and all that um so if you hit 100% readiness on Every planet you can, like, or, or readiness, sorry, I'm still thinking about Mass Effect 3, 100% viability on every planet that you can settle in the course of Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, you get an automatic message sent to you from, uh, it, they kind of frame it like it's another one of your 
Pathfinder unlocks, like there was another thing waiting for you to mm. unlock uh, once you hit 100% viability on all the the home planets. And so you go back to Habitat 7, which, as y'all will remember, was the place that was definitely not, like, habitable mm. for, for human life. Well, supposed to have been the next human planet, in, or the first human planet in Andromeda. Yes. Um, and when you go back there, uh, your crew informs you that because you have hit 100% viability, like, basically every planet that you have settled so far has been made completely habitable for um for the races of the nexus and all that like they are able to settle and survive and thrive on these planets they are now able to dedicate resources to habitat 7 specifically they are now using um oh the word that i can't think of right now help me out here ken um describe what you're trying to say the the alien race that that you deal with yeah, don't don't they say they're using remnant tech or something like that? Or well, the thing is like, so the issue with Habitat Seven was that the uh, the remnant tech there and like the uh, the terraforming uh, shit yes was yeah. not working, which is what resulted in Alec Rider's death and all that fun stuff. And so like yeah. now, now that they have the resources, they are just kind of like having to manually make Habitat Seven viable again. And I don't know if they I don't remember if they specifically said that they're using remnant tech or just like what the initiative had. But uh, that is basically what's going on. It's like now that, that everything else is freed up for them to uh, use those resources elsewhere, they're going back to Habitat 7 to try and... I'm pulling it up live right now just so I have the line in front of me. You know, this is a very planned and professional <laughs> biobit. Um, okay, we're at Habitat 7. We're staring at all the swirly things. Uh, the vault here remains non-functional, but with 100% viability to invest, we've begun terraforming this world with initiative technology. Mm. Um, and now we just get to stare at this model as it freezes for no reason because Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, the good old-fashioned hard way it'll eventually be a home to thanks to you. Um, and then they they open up the the comms line and you can hear every habitat world up to that point, like all cheering and, and mm. cheering you on and being all happy and stuff. And then they say in honor of your contributions and all that and getting everything to a place where they, it can be stable and we can live here in Andromeda habitat seven will be officially renamed, uh, even astronomically, uh, the planet will be named rider one. Um, so that's, mm. that's, it's, I think the only thing that weirded me out about that part specifically was it was like, I couldn't tell if they were doing that, like in honor of my character or in right. honor of my, uh, character's father's sacrifice and all that right. and trying to get things going and all that. Um, maybe yeah, it's I, a little column A, a little column B, but yeah, I, I, my, my reading on it initially with it, it was just like the writer family as like mm. a group that has yeah. you know, been the pathfinders. And has done all of this stuff, and like, and it also, I think, I just think it does work in honor of Alec specifically, just because like that is where he died, and that is where he had to mm-hmm. um, pass on the Pathfinder role to his child. It's a, uh, it's a nice little little ending. I wouldn't say it feels like any more definitive than what you would have had in the game mm-hmm. either way. Um, right, but it does. I think specifically the idea of now they are so established in the Andromeda galaxy that they're able to start terraforming planets. Right. And that leads me to believe like, should we come around to 
the next Mass Effect and all that, um, depending on how much time has passed, we could be dealing with an Andromeda galaxy that is much more established right. and viable and um, not exactly like the wild frontier it was in Mass Effect Andromeda. Right. Because, uh, I mean, that's that's where a lot of the theories are right now, and obviously they've hinted as much that the next Mass Effect uh, could involve both the Andromeda galaxy and the Milky Way galaxy, so um, be interesting to see how that plays out, how that uh, yeah. incorporates into it. Yeah, and it's just like a thing that I, like, I don't know if, in the, like you said, in the grand scheme of things, it's that definitive or literally changed this that much, but it does like have more uh, implications about what could come next or what was planned to come next in a world where Mass Effect Andromeda was not, like, didn't have canceled DLC and all that stuff. Um, but it also just, like, I have been around, like, I've played this game several times and I've been around it for four years and, like, mostly, like, people that, like, you know, are, are just talking about it normally did not know about this for four years, and that is, like, I think speaks to, because, like, it is something that you have to really actually engage with the open-world bullshit of that game in a way that I, like, a lot of my liking of Andromeda is contingent on me not playing it like that, and, like, me, like, playing it like a Bioware game instead of some open-world fucking fiasco, and I think that that is generally what I tell people when, when they're gonna play the game, it's, like, mainline it like a Bioware game, and, like, play mm-hmm. the things that interest you in other Bioware games, because that is where, like, the heart of the game is, and where I think most people that do like it do find enjoyment out of it, and, um, so, like, when you have this, um, like, you know, kind of this final ending, it is, when, and when it's behind the things that are not great about this game, because, like, I even tried, like, last night when I told you about it, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm gonna go win here, and I'm gonna go get this ending myself, and, uh, <laughs> Because I, th- I think just, like, somehow in the midst of, like, I think transferring over from my, my PS4 to my PS5, I cleared up some save data of Andromeda. It's, like, because my intention was, like, oh, next time I go back to Andromeda, it's going to be to play a new file. So I was, like, not really precious about any of my save data, per se, just because, like, I, as long as I, like, had my writer's face and could import that in to a new playthrough that opened all that I needed. But, uh, yeah, so, like, the... Play the playthrough that I still had was the one we did for the show, and you know we did to some extent kind of mainline. We didn't do uh, like every single uh, major viability altering set of missions. Yeah, so like the the percentages I had on viability just weren't that high. And then like I started to uh, try and do those things because like you have to you know do side quests and shit to raise viability that raises like each raises by like two or three percent, and then like it starts to wear on you. Like oh, I'm gonna have to do this. Like this is gonna be, this is not like a five or so hour investment. This is like a 20 to 30 hour investment to like hundred percent this game. And I was just like, you know what? I'm good. I like, I don't want to like, cause like I was looking for something to play, like something Mass Effect to do or play while we wait for Legendary Edition on Friday. And I was just like, oh yeah, this could be great. But then I was like, oh no, this, this is the part of the game that sucks. Mm, yeah. And, and that's, that's ultimately where it came down to it is I was thinking about like, you know, what's the reason why this is like so little known that even while we were doing research about this game and getting ready and prepping and all that, I felt like I didn't read anything anywhere about any of it. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, it's probably because like how many people have reasonably tried to do this thing. And like Noah Caldwell Gervais is one of the few people out there who I'd expect to like, really find every little right. thing in a video game. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, 
there, there's other stuff in other games that are like this where it's so hidden and you have to like do 110 percent of everything but with andromeda specifically it was just like the game never really gave me a reason to want to go and do that stuff so mm-hmm. um if if the reward was a nice little cutscene, it is a good cutscene. I'm not I'm not like shit talking the cutscene at all, but right. it's, I basically saw that I was like, oh, that's nice. It's about like you know a minute long. It's just a little dialogue, and I was like, oh, yeah. okay. They're everybody's happy, and they're they're honoring Ryder, and they're gonna make a new planet. Everything's looking hunky dory mm. for the for the Andromeda Galaxy. That's nice. And then it dumps you right back into the open world that you can now do nothing in because right. you finished it. Yeah. And, like, and, and odds are, like, the next game is probably going to reflect that either way. Just because, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I would be very surprised if, like, the viability that you reach in Andromeda is going to be what they end up, uh, like, in a hypothetical world where you get to import that save in some way. Or, like, maybe use the Mass Effect archives to uh, import it. Um, I very highly doubt that's not something that they're going to like be like oh we're gonna let the player like use like have shitty viability on certain planets but not all of them i think they can use like whatever time skip or like whatever to kind of like paint that in and like let your like let you come in with like sort of like the baseline best possible outcome of andromeda mm-hmm. yeah. well speaking of warm fuzzy feelings uh we had a lot of them this week, didn't we, Ken? We did. Uh, because the the marketing campaign for the Mass Effect Legendary Edition is in full swing. And we wanted to uh, to call special attention to, I guess, one thing in particular. There was a lot of stuff that went up this last week. Uh, they released a bunch of the deluxe content and stuff like that. Uh, that was, I think, packaged with various like digital deluxe versions of previous mm-hmm. Mass Effect games and stuff like that. Basically, a bunch of goodies. Yeah. Um, as well as the, I think it's the complete soundtrack for all three games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and they upload that like on, on like YouTube. A YouTube video too. If like you want to have, like have your uh, lo-fi Mass Effect beats to chill and vibe to, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, that was pretty nice. I had that playing during the day where they were uploading that or premiering it or whatever. Um, but the real one that I think got a lot of us uh, was the box art creator, which is. I saw a PR person on my timeline call it like just a brilliant idea in terms of understanding Mm -hmm. what Mass Effect fans want from the Legendary Edition and what they get out of these games. And it really is because it's like you get you get to pick your lineup of who you want on that Mass Effect box art with some limitations, um, which Mm. I'm assuming come from what variations and stuff they had for the artwork. Right. Uh, I kind of expected this. I mean, obviously, you know, like big you know, elephant in the room is that Caden is not one of the, like mm. you can't slot him into, is it called like the best favorites or something? Favorite. Like, yeah. yeah. The, the ones that make the, the two largest uh, pieces of the pie that that's on yeah. the, the box art creator. Uh, you can only start slotting Caden. in once you get to like, trusted companion or mm. something like that yeah. um which to be fair is where i put liara who is my like mm. canonical chef romance i felt like that just fit better whereas like favorite overall right. i saw more as like you know who am i bringing with me on every mission if i gotta bring them um and that was yeah. tally and garris for me and then the rest of them are just like you know who's the cavalry who's the 
the the loyal squad mates and stuff like that. It was right. it was very cheesy in a way. Um, but oddly, it felt like picking a MySpace top eight. Yeah, <laughs> to, to really date group. ourselves. Um, yeah, yeah I, th- I think my my feeling was like I cared less about what the actual end, uh, like the or, oh let me phrase it. I, I cared less about like the way that they phrased the shit in making it than I did like the final thing because I, I was happy like having Kaden on like the very edge of it. It's kind of like and like I didn't like it did not ma- it did not bother me as much. They were like pick your favorite squad mates and then Kaden wasn't on there and like they didn't make the art for that to happen. And um, since then I think people have actually modded it or like done Photoshop shit to like basically put anyone wherever you want um but i'm still happy with like the version that i have but like it is weird that caden specifically was like the uh one character from mass effect one that they just didn't do that with but i do think by and large like like you said it is like a very like strong understanding of what this means to like returning fans and Mm -hmm. it also like gets me thinking about like the way that legendary edition like the marketing of it has been so more like they allow you to put in, like, your vision of that universe in one way or another, whether it's, like, not showing Shepard's face on the cover like they did throughout when the trilogy had came out, or something like this where they're like, hey, make this in a way that tailors to your vision of these characters and your characters' relationships. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, you can even, like, do the Paragon or Renegade, like, if you want to get, like, like have, like, a red tint if you're a Renegade Blue for a Paragon, or, like, have a more neutral one. Um, it just, like, makes me really, like... This is something we talked about, like, the tail end of our Dragon Age season when we were talking about the the announcement of the next Mass Effect and that, that trailer that, if read certain ways, could imply certain canons might be put in, being put in place. Yet there's still... They, there's an awareness here in the marketing of Legendary Edition that that, that idea that, like, the quote-unquote right choice or, like, right version of Shepard doesn't really exist. Like, there are, you know, various points in the trilogy where I don't think that some choices were... or relationships whatever it was were given the same respect but i think mm. and so like maybe that is kind of like painting the the trilogy and like with like a little bit of rose-colored glasses in terms of like what it actually is able to present in terms of consequence and such but i i guess i'm starting to feel a little bit more it's making me feel a little bit more optimistic about this upcoming game that like bioware seems to be very in tune with the fact that like Shepard is not one person. Shepard's sets of decisions, like, none of them should be mm-hmm. considered, quote-unquote, right or canon or anything like that. And that sort of idea that, like, there are perfect endings that sh- everyone should aspire to is, like, a fantasy, a delusion that everyone needs to kind of, like, get over, maybe as we're going in. I don't know. That's just, I, it's just got me thinking that, like, I hope that... Or, Bioware seems to be aware of what they're doing in terms of the future of Mass Effect and, like, what it means moving forward. So can. Mm-hmm. I have an activity. I've been mostly silent because I've been prepping the spontaneous activity here. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, as, as the folks at home know, we've been teasing for a little bit about having some legendary edition roundtables coming up. And the surprise mm-hmm. part one of this, of this bio bit here is that we are announcing who will be on it on this bio bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But before we get to that, some some behind the scenes info for y'all ken and i are planning on creating a graphic that will have all of this information that will go out on twitter when we announce all this when this episode goes live to accompany that for the background we were going to use the box art creator Mm -hmm. to make a show box art essentially as our background for that 
And so while we were talking about the box art, I thought, you know, originally Ken and I were just going to do this off air and decide it off air. But why not make this something special for the folks <laughs> at home who listen to the bio bit? Ken and I are going to decide our box art right here, right now, if you're game. All right. Let's do it. All right. So, so first up on the creator, obviously we have to go neutral because mm. we have one Paragon and one Renegade on this on the squad here. Can you share screen for this, like, so I can? Uh, see I happen? can absolutely share screen here. Let me. Yeah. We're on yeah. Discord. Yeah, for those that don't know, we, we record Normandy FM on a Discord channel. So you should be able to see my screen now. Yeah. Um. Now. For the folks at home, the first up is selecting favorite squad mates. These are the ones that show up most prominently on, like, like kind of right over Shepard's shoulder in the box art. And we have Ashley Williams, Garrus Vicarian, Jack, Legion, Liara, Miranda, Tali, Thane, and Rex. I was almost going to say that these are all the romanceable options, but Legion and Rex. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, it's, not romanceable. It, it is a thing. Like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, it, it feels arbitrary, and that's why I'm not, like, super upset that Caden's not on it, even though it is, like, a weird omission in terms of, like, the Mass Fit 1 squad mates. Yeah, whatever. it makes me think that they only had, like, large art right. done for certain characters. Yeah, that, that uh, is... Ultimate, Ashley's what, a bit yeah. strange, but... Yeah, yeah. like, a, if, if I've never met a person who says Ashley Williams is their favorite character, and that's not even me being, like... I feel like I like, haven't seen any Ashley box art at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I'm gonna say that I want Garrus on here for sure. Mm. Um, I think it's hard to have a favorite squad mates without Garrus. So I'm, I am open to arguments otherwise, though. Is is there a character that you for sure want on in this in this two set? I think if we want to make it like especially representative of the show, meaning like the two of us, I think Tally is probably the lead one that we should have because she's the one probably, that was in yeah. our favorite for both of them. And I also think that Garrus is an incredibly overrated character because he has the same route for two <laughs> games, and then his romance route is fucking stupid until three damn come on you had he had reach but she had flexibility come yep on and that's now. all they had they had no emotional connection <laughs> exactly sometimes sometimes you're just going into a suicide mission you're like you know we just gotta relieve some tension it's, just, we it's a there. weird thing because like I, I was on about a year ago at this point i was on a, a pax panel ranking bioware romances and i was like hey don't y'all think that garris's romance in mass effect 2 kind of sucks and they were like what you said negative things about garris i can't compute i don't think about anything beyond the fact that garris is fucking space batman be more critical of the people you love people i do think the best romance in 2 is the thane i think mm -hmm. thane has the best romance in 2 I, I agree um, to clarify, make this cut? I to clarify, hold on, one second. To clarify, Garrus's romance Mass Effect three though, good shit, good yeah, fucking good shit. shit. Yeah. Terrible Mass Effect two, irredeemably so. Fuck off. So I mean, I think we can say right away that Ashley probably isn't making the cut. Jack isn't making the cut. Um, Miranda, much as we love Miranda, I don't think holds up to these other characters. Mm. Um. And and you've made made it clear that you would not like Garrus. I'd say Legion is also probably not here, but but could definitely make our cut elsewhere on this. Mm. For me, it's between like Liara, Thane, and Rex. Mm. I ended up putting Rex and Tally as my top two on mine. Um, I think I'm I'm good with putting Liara up here just so she can be up top as your canonical love interest because we can't put mine here. And so, like, we can have this well, way. Yeah, I th we settled it, like, even pre-podcast, I think, that we were going to put Caden in the next slot, mm -hmm. which is 
trusted companion because that's the highest one that we could put him in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the thing that so worked, that cool works. with making that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we are through that. We have favorite squad mates: Liara, Tali, trusted companion. Is that what it's called? Trusted companion. Yeah. Trusted companion. Make sure I select it right. Oh, not grunt. Um, yeah, Caden. Uh, the cavalry. Okay, so this mm. is where it like really opens up. It's basically every squad mate right. that you Everybody. can have, yeah. I think. Uh, let's count them. Um, Four, eight, twelve. Caden's not. 16, no, there he is. Yeah. 19. I think. Yeah, this, this is, is this every is everybody. Squad mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously not including the ones that we've selected already. Um, so I'm gonna. So here's the weird thing. This is where I kind of got weird about it was when it got to these sections, I started picking based on what the name of the section was. Mm. So like when I saw the cavalry, I was like, okay, who am I calling in when I need that firepower? Like who's fire team B? Mm. Um, And that, that was what I kind of based mine around. But that being said, this is also a MySpace top eight. (laughs) Um, Uh, I think Morden is a solid lock for the cavalry. I agree. I, I, yeah. I fully agree. Morden's great. Um, I think once again, we can say without a doubt that Ashley Williams is not going to be on our list at all. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm also going to knock Jacob, James, Javik, and Zaid off. Um, just because mm. those characters do not really speak to me in any way. Um I think in the grand scheme of things, those are definitely on the lower tier for me. Yeah, yeah. I think when we've every time we've done our individual rankings, which Ken and I do pretty frequently at this point, <laughs> uh, they end up near the bottom of the list. I do think we need to get Garrison here. Yeah, though. this is where Garrison comes in, for sure. Yeah. And Mostly then, on the strength of Mass Effect 3. Yes. But then this is also the point where I think we need to get Rex involved, too. Yeah, that's Cause, yeah, this is where I put him, too. Based yeah. on this being a collective experience, the two of us, yeah. So the backups, the backups, um, this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. So still in play, some notables I see, Thane, Miranda, Legion, Kasumi, uh, who's a bit of a wild card, but she is a pretty cool character, Jack, Grunt. Um, I'm tempted to have both Krogan boys on here, um, but I also love Legion, I also love Thane. Yeah, I, I'm my my feeling just thinking on this is Thane and Miranda, just because like I still feel like that that final scene with Thane, one of the top mm-hmm. moments of the series, one of the ones that we really really spoke to us when we were doing the show, mm-hmm. and the same thing I feel for Miranda, just because like she was a, sort of like a, a constant for us throughout Mass Effect Three, and like always touching every time we got back to her, it was like oh no, this is like some really important shit both for her in terms of like her growth, but also like. And, like, I, I feel like she's kind of underrated in Mass Effect 3 specifically just because, like, her ship's important, but it's, like, kind of always happening in the background until it's very suddenly not near the end. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I always feel like her character, and it, it's such a weird kind of character to write, um, and I'm thinking about it because we watched The Circle recently, but The Circle does this twice in the in the course of its two seasons where there is obviously like someone's on there who's a really attractive model and all that. And you look at them and they're like, Oh, they're such a super hot person. And, and the, the story beat of like, Oh, I'm beautiful. So nobody takes me seriously is like really hard to sell, I think. Mm -hmm. But when you do it, it works. And I think a lot of people don't give Miranda the leeway to be that kind of character. Cause once you actually get into that stuff, like you see that her 
home life sucks and she's got like no family essentially like a lot of a lot of the stuff that other characters have like she just doesn't have by virtue of being this like essentially tailor-made super soldier model lady um mm. and yeah. and she's kind of a sad character when you think about right. it yeah and that's that's the thing that i think a lot of people kind of like chalk her up to the the butt shots and like yeah that has always yeah, been that's, a, that has that's always true. been like a sticking point for me it's like a weird thing to put on her because that is like the camera exists outside of like the text that is mass effect it is something that some bioware cinematic person was like oh you know what will be funny and it's always weird to put like that on Miranda when she is like not you know you know what I mean like it's just not like mm-hmm. something that she is perpetuated is something that some cinematic designer of Bioware was like you know this is what we should do to this woman and she's talking about her abusive father and it's like God yeah. I'm I'm interested to see how that changes in the LE yeah um, to see if that really changes the tone of those conversations or not uh, we do have to select a location which is kind of just a little cutaway at the bottom of the box art. Mm. Uh, we have the Citadel collector base, Eden Prime, and the invaded Citadel. Um, that's a weird way of phrasing it. Now that I'm thinking about it, but I I don't because that's that. London, isn't it? I I guess so. Yeah, it actually kind of looks like is that the Pal of the Moon? I don't. I think that's Earth behind it. Wait, what? I don't know what that is. Yeah, is this the Citadel just like never a, got invaded? Yeah, is it a concept art or something? Maybe, I, maybe that, yeah. that would actually make sense. Um, and Omega is the last one. I picked Omega for my personal one. I picked um, Citadel for my personal one. Um, and I'd honestly be pretty cool with Citadel for our show one, just because I feel like that's, you know... And that's, that's where people congregate. Like, we are going to congregate three times for three different shows, three episodes with some excellent people. It also feels weird that three of these are, like, places of conflict. Um and omega is so really like it's for me it was between omega or the citadel um and i picked omega just because i like omega but um the citadel seems like the best fit if we're trying to make this representative of the series because that is Mm -hmm. like kind of the um it's the place you always return back to so i don't know let's look at our custom artwork this is great audio content what are we thinking, Ken? Do we like that? I, man, I haven't seen Tali in that position on the box art. It looks really good, actually. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this. That's that's a cool look. And then Caden, look at what is Caden toting there? Is that like a grenade launcher? Like, damn. I think so. Yeah, that's. He came to party. Yeah. And Morden looking heroic over here. Miranda's got. I, I I've only seen her in that pose, but but that's uh, the, the very Miranda pose. Uh, the one I've got of her on my personal one, I think, is the one she has on the default box art, where she's kind of got like. Uh, her gun to her side, like mm. back against the wall. Is that Thane toting a sniper rifle down there? That that looks yeah. neat. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty happy with this overall. This is this is pretty yeah. good. All right, so this will be the one we download. I'll stop screen sharing now. Um, but oh, which one is it? There we go. Um, that's our box art <laughs> creation. <laughs> You'll be able to see the graphic uh, when our full graphic goes live later. I guess today when this episode does. Yeah. Um, but it's time for us to announce our round tables. Woo! Yay. Um, so for God, like several months now at this point, um, we, we kind of knew when the release date for this got announced that this is what we wanted to do. Um, our plan is, is that we are going to have a round table for each game 
in the Legendary Edition. So Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2, Mass Effect 3. And we're going to invite some guests on. Um, so it'll be Ken, myself, and a number of guests. Uh, and the idea is we're going to have a couple like big overarching questions. Uh, but mostly we want to like just foster discussion about these games. Mm. What they meant to people then, what they mean to people now, how the, you know, we are going to talk at some length about the Legendary Edition, but I wouldn't say this is necessarily totally about the Legendary Edition. Right. Um, this is really just kind of talking about Mass Effect at large in the context of these games. Uh, I imagine with Mass Effect 1, we'll probably spend a lot of time talking about how the LE changes stuff and whether we think those are good or bad changes, stuff like that. Whereas once we get to 2 and 3, um, you can expect a lot of the typical beats to come up uh, in terms of you know, Mass Effect 2, what did we think of the big changes to Mass, you know, Mass Effect 1's combat and stuff like that? And then, mm. like, Mass Effect 3, how did you feel about the ending and the discussion around it? Um, and I also would say that we have acquired a fairly robust lineup. Uh, some old faces, some new. Mm. Uh, Majority of them are I'm, new, actually, that I think looking at it. I think, yeah, most of these people have not been on the show before. Yeah. Overall, I'd say it's it's largely, it's like, oh no, I was going to say it's 50-50, but no, it is, it is mostly new people. Um, so, from Mass Effect 1, also, the publishing dates. Right now, Ken and I are planning on Mass Effect 1, so basically weekly publish like we do with Norm DFM uh, episodes, which will still be happening, by the way. Right, uh, yes. We are working overtime for this one, folks. <laughs> um but these will publish on Monday. Uh, and it's important to note they will publish on Monday for everyone on the podcast feed. But we decided to open it up. So normally the $5 tier on our Patreon is where you get early episodes. However, for the roundtables specifically, we are making it so that every backer, um, no matter what level, uh, gets early episodes. Mm. So... If you want the early roundtables, you can sub in. You'll get access to the Discord as well. Um, you can try it in, and if you want to back it off after that, that's totally fine. This is only running for three weeks, so it's essentially like basically one month that you can sub in. So if you want mm. early roundtable episodes, it, it's a dollar. <laughs> They'll be worth a dollar. Yeah, and and we just wanted to do that to both encourage folks to try out uh, joining in on the Discord and stuff like that. And if they wanted an option to hear these as soon as possible, uh, we would, we wanted to make that more broadly available than just the $5 tier. So also a little thank you to the folks that have stuck mm -hmm. with us. That being said, uh, the Mondays that these will be publishing, uh, we're aiming for May 24th as the first one for mass effect one. So that'll give people like roughly a week to get their hands on with the legendary edition, spend some time with it. Uh, the following week, uh, May 31st will be Mass Effect 2, and then June 7th will be Mass Effect 3. Uh, so a whole, basically a month from now, just a little under a month from now is when we'll be completely done with them. Our lineups. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm very, I've been so excited to talk about this since we started this. Um, for Mass Effect 1, returning again to Normandy FM is the one and only John Warren of Fanbyte. 
Ken could not find a way to not get fan fight people back on this. There's podcast. one on literally every show. <laughs> <laughs> but in return, I said, oh, Ken, nay, nay. Um, I, I, I have to say we've got to get some of my former co-workers on here as well. Mm. There's not been enough representation. Now, granted, I bounce around sites a little bit. <laughs> so we got to go former co-workers. <laughs> but... The one and only Cat Bailey, currently of IGN, formerly of US Gamer, and still of Acts of the Blood God, will be joining us to talk about Mass Effect 1. Very excited for that. It is about dang time that we uh, <laughs> got that collab set up because that has been ages in the works. Uh, mm. And Cat is a staunch Mass Effect 1 advocate. Very much looking forward to that, uh, to that episode. The, the Mass Effect 1 fans will finally outnumber Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. Uh, mm. For Mass Effect 2, this one's very exciting because this is all new people. Mm-hmm. It's a completely new podcast. Yep. Um, from the one and only GameSpot, we have two people, Lucy James and Michael Hyam, who are both coming on to talk about Mass Effect 2. Uh, two wonderful people who I'm very excited to have on. Um, it's it, it's about darn time. And also joining us, the one, the only, Elise. Uh, oh, I should have checked a pronunciation thing or something. Elise Fabis. Um, so let me let me. Check, I think I've probably brought this up at some point on the show. I can know how to say somebody's name, or I'll know what their name is. The second somebody asks me if it is something, I freak out that I have been pronouncing it or just like knowing it wrong. For fucking years. No, I do like, the same thing. I see a thing, I know how to pronounce it, but then with the second I have to think about it, I double think it. So, Elise, so sorry we're butchering your introduction onto the show, but <laughs> Ken found another way to get another. Uh, there's a fan by person on every one of these roundtables, I just realized. Ken is really good at, at, at making this happen, and I'm always uh, unaware of it until the moment that I have to announce it. But Elise will be joining us, formerly of Launcher, now over at Fanbyte. Very excited for that as well. Uh, she will hopefully bring the right statue this time and will mm. not get burned by Bioware again. <laughs> um, that's our Mass Effect 2 lineup. Mass Effect 3, uh, you're going to recognize two of these names. Uh, I will say the new one we have on here is the one, the only Emma Kidwell. Very excited about this. Emma is a writer at various game development places, has also written some media slash journalistic work in the past uh as i look at uh at her profile she's also recently dyed her hair congratulations <laughs> <laughs> but um emma will be coming on for mass effect 3 alongside two names that y'all know well in fact one of them uh will actually be recording her last of us episode theoretically this is the plan we'll be recording her last of us episode the same around the same day mm. i think as we are recording the mass effect 3 roundtable um ash parish will be returning to the podcast to talk mass effect 3 and of course we can't do any of this without the one the only nat nat will be back we can't do this without her how could we not um i'm very excited for that it's about darn time we we got Nat back on the. I mean, Nat's going to be back for for some Last of Us as well mm. at some point. But uh, 
it's about tar- darn time Natalie got back on here. So that's our lineup. It's finally out there. That feels like a weight off my shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> Just but, trying to keep I mean, this secret. We've been planning it from like the, the message that we have where we've got it pinned on our, in our Slack is three months old. So like, this has been in the works for a while. So Oh yeah. This, is, this started here. in February when we were planning it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course there, there were folks that we wanted to bring on, uh, but couldn't make scheduling and stuff like that work. Uh, but we were really happy with everyone that we got on. I mean, Pretty much all of our first choices got on here, and we have some uh, lovely, lovely uh, new folks on to mm-hmm. share their thoughts about Mass Effect. It's it's very exciting. Like, yep. I've I've been just brimming with the excitement of all the Mass Effect we're going to get into. Uh, the again, the plan for these roundtables are to be obviously since we're going to have four to five people on every one, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a lot more discussion based. It's going to be a lot more freewheeling. Um, with kind of just some general discussion guidelines. We're going to try and keep it within probably about two hours a pop. Mm. Um, but, you know, we're not going to cut off conversation if conversation gets good. But um, very excited. We'll be confirming all of that later today uh, and, and putting the graphic out and everything. In fact, we are sending out messages to people, letting them know that the announcement is going live today while Ken was talking about Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> so... Um, it's very exciting. I hope y'all are excited too. We're at this point, we are less than a week away from the launch of the legendary edition. And, uh, Ken, it's kind of weird that we started this podcast as we've told the story many times before we started it essentially on a bet, (laughs) like (laughs) on, on you saying, well, let's finally do a Mass Effect podcast. And I said, okay, sure, start it then. And, well, here we are. <laughs> and, um, but the way it timed out in terms of we've now, like, the Legendary Edition is coming out. Now there's a new Dragon Age on the horizon. Now, like, we started covering The Last of Us, and all of a sudden there's a Last of Us remake potentially in the <laughs> works. Uh, so if you have a game you would like to get a remaster or a remake, <laughs> just hit us up. But um, it's it's been really fast. Actually, the, the other game we're talking about doing right now, too, also has a remaster coming out, and mm. I'm just now realizing that. Can yep. we have a superpower? <laughs> um, mm. I don't know how this happened, but uh, it's been a blast, and mm. I'm excited for these roundtables, both because they're going to be a great reason to talk about Mass Effect again, but it also feels like this nice little cap-off to what we've built over the last two-plus years at Normandy yeah. FM. It's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, it, it always feels good to come back to Mass Effect mm-hmm. on the show, mm-hmm. and that is like... Something that I, 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 not that I, I've been loving our last of us season to be honest. Like, just we are like six or so episodes at this point, and it's, it's been, been great. Really good. But it is always nice to come home, and that's kind of my feeling going to the Legendary Edition, like playing these games again, despite the fact that I own the system and the copies that I could play it like literally any fucking time I wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. just like it, it's nice to see like everybody excited about it again, and it yes. like that, yeah. that sort of uh. That day when like the box art creator came on, it was like great to keep just like scrolling through Twitter and like seeing everybody posting theirs and you know just being excited about these games. And mm-hmm. I hope that excitement lasts because I'm not looking forward to the discourse. Oh, the discourse is going to age us mm. uh, visibly, but uh, we'll have roundtables to discuss all the discourse on as well. Uh, that'll be real exciting. Um, but until then, 
we look forward to uh, to seeing you on it here on Normandy FM. Yeah.